Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to Ed Up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. I am back again, um, which happens and continues to happen on these podcasts that you get to hear my voice, whether you like it or not. Um, hopefully you do like it. We've just, uh, as, we, as we're recording this episode, this is one of the ones that we're recording shortly after we returned from, from Doha, recording at the World Innovation Summit for Education, which was absolutely incredible to talk to the global community about the value and importance of higher education. And um, it's funny because my guest today will talk about that uh, part of the of the world that he visited and we'll ask him about that. But I do, of course, uh, have a guest co-host today. She's somebody that you've heard before. Um, sometimes she laughs at my jokes, mostly not. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen. She's electric. Lisa Honaker, Managing Director of Sales for the Eastern US at FedEx office. Lisa, what's happening? Nothing much, Joe. Thank you for having me on again. And I appreciate the electricity. I am gonna tend to agree with that. Well, and you I do think have a this... light bulb on your LinkedIn for growth. So, you know, you are electric. There you go. Thank you. And your personality is electric. And when we talk on the phone, you're electric. And you know, you're just electric. That's good. This is the sound I picked for you for now on. What do you think about it? I truly appreciate it. And you do lots of things for my ego. So thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to keep hitting the button. Well, you know, without further ado, I have to say that my guest today is, uh, is a special guest. Um, you know, I could, I could impress, I could totally bomb and, uh, it, that will stick with me uh, until the day I, I begin here. Um, and what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about my guest today. He is a very interesting, uh, gentleman, and we'll be talking more about his background in particular. Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. John Porter, he's president of Lindenwood University. John, what's happening? Hey, Joe, a uh, lot going on here. So great, great to be on with you folks. We love the Lions. So I particularly love the Lions uh, now uh, as, as uh, we will begin working together uh, very, very soon. And uh, I am very excited, my friend. And I'm re re mostly excited on this episode because this is going to be, this is research for me. This is, this is me learning about Lindenwood University. And so I want to start just broad strokes. Tell me about Lindenwood University. What do you do and how do you do it? We'll go from there. Yeah, so so thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me once again here, uh, and Lisa. So the uh, Lindenwood was was founded in 1827, and uh, it's a liberal arts university. Um, so a lot of legacy, a lot of great things. But being liberal arts, we really do pride ourselves on uh, our education and the experience that we give for future teachers, um, for the sciences, for the health sciences in particular. We've got a lot of great things happening here that aren't aren't even happening, at, you know, in our region at other universities that are very very strong. Um, and our business uh, is very, very strong. Our MBA, our online MBA is one of the top ranked in the country and certainly in Missouri. And so we certainly have a lot to offer uh, our students. And um, so although liberal arts and, and you look at preparing students for a variety of careers, we've actually honed in, in several different areas that over the next four or five, six years, we're going to really focus on even more and, uh, and look at some exciting things that, uh, that, are, that are in our horizon here. What makes uh, Lindenwood and you really interesting is your background, and you come from tech, right? Is that fair yep. to say? You come from yeah, tech? absolutely. IBM. Yeah. Yep. Uh, IBM. You come from IBM. Thirty-three years at IBM. Recently, before Lindenwood, working for um, a, a company in the Gulf region, uh, again technology company, 
it's obvious to me that higher ed would be your next stop, right? I mean, obviously <laughs> you go from technology after 33 years and everybody who does that goes right into higher education. How does that happen, John? Because the, in, the, in particular, I have to ask it this way. Most institutions and most boards are very reluctant to bring in somebody that let's just call it risky. Anybody mm -hmm. who is not a higher ed professional yeah. who has 40 years of, you know, higher ed bred and born experience is a risk for institutions. How does this happen for you? First of all, how do you end up in higher ed? And, and why did Lindenwood open its eyes to the possibility of a different kind of leader? Well, I think a couple of things here. When, when uh, IBM asked my wife and I to go to South Africa, we ran two divisions. We ran strategic outsourcing and GTS and we ran uh, our break fix business. And so I had two divisions for all of South Africa. Uh, so we agreed and it's a three year, um, uh, it was a, or actually it was a two year opportunity for us. When we were there for about eight months, we, we decided uh, then at that time I was with IBM about 32 years and it was what's life after IBM? What does that career look like? And I had already been affiliated with higher ed for about 13, 14 years. I was before going to South Africa, taught at one university, leadership in international business, so a couple of courses there. I taught a master's level course at another university, and then I was on a board of trustees of another university. So, uh, so my heart, my wife and I, our heart has been with youth, and um, and so it was nothing new. And so, you know, taking a step back in South Africa it was life after IBM would be in higher education, and and one of the things that I really wanted to do was. Uh, I wanted to be obviously in a leadership role where I could take the business acumen and my passion for students and uh, education and mix them together. So uh, I decided at that point in South Africa to apply at Johns Hopkins and, and was accepted and started my doctorate. And so that was just a great experience. But also, um, I decided that uh, coming back to the States after being in South Africa, um, what are some of the other options that I would have? I still wanted to be in technology, wasn't done, wasn't ready for higher ed quite yet. Um, but I did interview at a, at a university before I took the GBM role in, in uh, Dubai. GBM was an IBM premier partner in the Middle East. And um, I did accept that role. Uh, so I covered, you know, Bahrain and Oman and, and Abu Dhabi, in addition to Dubai, Kuwait, Qatar. And so great opportunity there. Uh, but while I was there, I got a call from a uh, executive search firm about a presidency role in this. And I had a relationship with this with this uh, agency. And so um, when they called at another university, uh, I was a little hesitant because I wasn't quite ready to leave the Middle East, nor was I uh, thinking I would get into higher that quickly. Um, but as it turned out, I did an interview, but Lindenwood came available at that point in time. And, uh, and although I had a great interview at another university, uh, what they were looking for here was uh, this non-traditional candidate uh, to come in here and, and really more business oriented. And, and I think like most institutions, there were some struggles here and there with enrollment and that tuition. And, and so I think they wanted to just take a different track. Uh, but the write-up was, it was a perfect match for me and exactly what I was looking for. And so I decided to apply for this role. Um, the other role was outstanding, but this is really where we wanted to be. And, and certainly being in the Midwest was, was a plus given that our family's here. So, uh, so we applied, everything went great. And, uh, and so started July 1st, 2019, uh, very excited. But I think the board of directors was really looking, they're future oriented. Um, and my goal coming in here was let's take that uh, technology piece and and how do we marry the technology in with the education and really be again very forward thinking and now we're 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 like most universities there's things that we're fixing and and uh, getting better but at the same time 
Um, you know, like we're running a POC in January, we're using AI and I want to take advantage of, of what, what we can do there and with that uh, Google engine. So I think there's some great things that we can do here. There's some other things with our strategic plan that we're going to do that um, you know, are non-traditional for higher education, but that's really going to diversify our revenue streams, which I think is going to be some great things for us going forward. Ah, uh, the business talk. I love it. I love the the business piece of of higher ed. Lisa, bring you in now um, to to ask John some questions because I know you have some. Well, there's so much to uh, peel back there, Doctor Porter. You use shocking, shocking. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, so some of those things are so intriguing, and you know, Joe and I have been working together for. I guess almost a year. And he knows that on my bucket list is actually effectively to follow in your footsteps and do exactly what you've done. Mm -hmm. So that pull into education, where do you think that started from? The pull for me into education? Right. Well, first off, my alma mater, I love my alma mater and was on the alumni board there. And, and, um, and so always maintaining that student focus. My wife and I also ran a ministry for 32 years. It was sixth grade through 12th grade. It was a competitive kind of thing. And, and so we were with uh, youth, you know, for, you know, prior to going to South Africa, but like I said, for two, 32, 33 straight years. So I think the passion's always been there. And I will tell you that, you know, uh, one of the universities um, that uh, is in the Midwest, uh, I think their prior leader president was a, a former IBMer. So I didn't start the mold. I think there's several IBMers that that has a passion for uh, higher education and felt that their leadership and experience in technology would would really quite well in that environment. So uh, so that gave me opportunity to think about that. And, and that's what really, uh, you know, set me on the road to thinking that higher ed would be a great place for me and something that I could learn some things from and also probably hopefully contribute to. Well, obviously you're doing that. And Joe, if I could steal one more question and then I'll kick it back over to you. So on an Uber personal front, Dr. Porter, you have referred to the partnership with your wife now twice. So you went overseas and worked with her, um, but then also did, um, the, the K through six um, program with her as well. So tell us about that. Cause that's a, a little bit of a unicorn. Yeah, actually I shouldn't say K through six, it's six through 12, but the, the six through 12 was a, um, a thing that we did together that was really working with youth. It was uh, memorizing scripture and it was, it was being able to regurgitate that scripture. It was intense. It was three hours every Saturday of practice. Um, and it was competing and traveling across the country. And uh, there's about 700 of these teams and top 40 teams make it to what they call national finals. And then of the top 40, you have your national champions. And so uh, every year is a new book in the New Testament. You memorize it, you compete over it. And so it was a great discipleship, but discipline for youth. And uh, we built great relationships with not only the students, but also with parents and and had great impacts on their lives. And so uh, my wife and I coordinated and coached and, and, uh, and loved it. And it was tough going to South Africa, giving that up for so long, but, but it just kept us, I think we, we even have today several students. In fact, the student that's here at Lindenwood, where she was one of our, our former, what we call quizzers. And uh, so just some great relationships and opportunity to really speak in the folks in the students' lives and, and, uh, and really, help prepare them for that next iteration of life. And I think uh, the, the quiz helped do that. Amazing. Well, I, I want to ask now about your, <laughs> I'm going to get your thoughts on 
your technology. Okay, so you you talked about bringing your technology, your knowledge of business into higher education. Depending on who you talk to, sometimes that fits, sometimes it doesn't. It's even to the language, right? It's literally the language. If you so there's there there could be, and I've come across many people in in my time because my it's funny because I uh, mentioned this to you before. My dissertation was on student consumerism and literally in my surveys of, of faculty and administrators, there was just a, group, a big contingent that just said, no, students are not consumers. And so the language of business, it's, it's variable on whether somebody accepts it in higher ed or not. What have been the great ex greatest successes of bringing technology into higher ed and where has it made the most sense? Where do you, where, where you've just gone, wow, yeah, look at that difference it made. And where have you seen some barriers? Well, I think, you know, where technology really fits, think about digitization, right? So, you know, there is no sector or industry that is, in my opinion, uh, that can split itself off and say, you know what, that's not something for me, because I don't, I don't care whether you're in accounting, payable, receivables, uh, whether you're looking at marketing materials, but the digitization piece is critical for all. So you think about bringing that, you think about um, you know, I talked a little bit about you know, artificial intelligence. Think about enrollment management and think about whether or not you can slice and dice and be really data driven and, um, and utilize trends. You know, think about what IBM has Watson, you know, Google has their AI engine, but you think about being able to pull all the thousands of data sets in and no one human being is going to be able to sift through that and really think about what are the trends, what are you learning from this? And AI does that. And, um, and so you think about, you know, what I ask my team is, can you tell me, tell me, you know, which zip code brings me the most students? That's a pretty basic question. Every institution would be able to come up with that answer. But then can we dig a little bit deeper? So in that zip code, can you tell me what are the demographics of those families? Can you tell me whether, you know, it's 2.2 2 .2 kids per household, the average income is 100,000 and, and uh, the average debt is, you know, is, is $15,000. And then, you know, and then what, you know, beyond that, what are some things that I can draw from that, that I can bring in and say, listen, I can attract more of those students here. I can stop wasting money by spread it, spreading it out so far and be more targeted in my marketing efforts, right? So if you marry that together. Um, so I, I think, you know, the things that we've done here is we, as we've laid out our strategic plan is most universities don't have a PMO, project management office. And so you think about in the IT world, what we did was we took over data centers for institutions, you know, big institutions worldwide. And when you do that, you have a PMO and you have project managers. And when you transition and transform uh, to our, you know, when I was with IBM, our processes, our tools, you need to have a PMO office so that these project managers are doing all these, these project type of activities so that you're making progress. And so, you know, there's SLA service level agreements in those contracts where you say, uh, you know, you're up time for your, your data centers, not, you know, the five nines. Well, how do you equate that to a university? Well, you know, we've got these six strategic uh, initiatives and we want to make sure that, that we've got dashboards built, that we're doing what we say we're going to do. I tell my team, bullets on paper mean nothing. It's all in the execution. And unless we see results and can see the metrics, uh, we don't know whether we're making progress. So putting a PMO, we have a PMO office in here. We have a project manager that is driving all of the uh, action items in a software package called Cascade. So again, using technology uh, in a way that we can make sure we, we have progress. We've also made that technology available to our board of trustees. So they now can sign in and they can go to our dashboard and they can look and see whether we're red, yellow, green uh, in each of our do six they, initiatives. Do they go in and check it out? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, they just got IDs yesterday, as a matter of fact. So that's awesome. So there's some great things to do in order to, um, to take advantage of the technologies. Uh, so on that, and Lisa, I'll pass it to you in a second, but I, I want to ask as you, as you as you go through this and you talk about uh, SLAs is, is a great example because typically in higher ed, you don't build in SLAs. We all need to service each other departmentally, but no one goes, hey, look, if you put in a, a or uh, maybe IT is the only department within higher ed that might have an SLA, but ma marketing needs to have it and student service needs to have it to students and to you know, so, and you think about that, and then there's the Q2 philosophy at Lindenwood. Yep. What's the Q2 philosophy and why is it so important? So Q2 is, is you know, we ask ourselves, not only our employees, but to our students, what do you need and how can I help? It's it's those two questions. What do you need and how can I help? Wow. And so when you, when you take that perspective, it is a service-oriented expectation. So go back to, you know, SLAs, the service level um, uh, that are in the corporate world, there's penalties assigned to that. So it's a big financial penalty if you don't have the five nines in, in the upkeep. But you also have what's SLOs, service level objectives. And so those are non-financial penalties, but those are levels that you agree to as a team. And I would say, you know, what we want to do at, at Lindenwood, you know, whether it be on the marketing side, the enrollment side, whether it be on the financial aid, wh whatever that is, you know, we just had a meeting this morning with with my team on, you know, look at our, our financial aid packages. How many financial aid packages have we gotten out this year as opposed to last year at this time? Now, everybody does this. So this isn't rocket science kinds of things. But just in terms of meeting some SLOs and how do we move up that timeline so that we get to these students sooner so they can make a decision sooner to come to Lindenwood rather than waiting for It's like you're months. teasing me out here, John. It's like you're teasing me so I can jump in and say, oh, I've got 100 ideas on how to do that. <laughs> Go ahead. No, exactly. But back to the, the, the Q2, I mean, that is just that is just the, the culture that we have here now. And so uh, you, you said this earlier, our students, consumers, of course they are. They're our customers. Right. And so we want to make sure that that we've got satisfied, greatly satisfied customers. And how do you do that? It's that Q2 environment. It's asking the students, what do you need? How can I help? And, and how do we get them to that next level and get them you know, successful? Obviously, graduating is a, is a great thing for them, getting that that higher level of graduation rates. And so there's a lot of things that we can do. But I think the Q2 sets the tone for how we want to drive and operate uh, as an institution. I love that. And speaking of somebody who knows how to satisfy their customers, uh, Lisa Honaker, come on in. So both of the concepts that you just talked about, service level agreements, service uptime, all of that, as well as Q2. So we have the five whys over here at FedEx. Um, so as you're sitting here in the landscape of your peers, you are definitely talking like a titan of business. Um, you are probably the redheaded stepchild among your peers in how you are approaching the business of education. What would be one piece of advice you would give your peers in working through that transformation? Well, it, it, I'll just say this, you know, um, I don't see myself ahead of my peers. I would never suggest that I came in here and I have all the answers. I, I'm learning. Uh, so um, the first thing I did when I came into this position, I met with seven presidents of universities. And I just said, hey, listen, I'm the new, new kid on the block here. I've got a lot to learn. And uh, what, what are some of those things that I should be watching out for? So, so I did that. I had, I had my, what everybody calls their, their listening tour. And that was really fantastic. And even, even going back to Johns Hopkins, when I went there for my comps, I met with uh, with their president, and so that was really great. I, I think 
I think the thing about me, if there's anything, you know, I was told when I came to higher ed, hey, just be careful, you know, just know that it's going to be slow. It's going to be very, very slow. And I would just say it doesn't have to be slow. We can make decisions and we can execute. And, and if there's anything that I would say is I'm not going to accept that paradigm that, uh, that you know, everything moves at a, at a snail's pace. We're just not going to do that here. We're going to make decisions. Uh, we're going to make informed decisions. And then we're going to go execute. And here's my perspective. There's nothing outside of the box that we can't consider as a team here. And uh, now we're not, again, we're not going to be all over the place. We're going to really be focused. Um, but I encourage my team, challenge me, you know, rightfully and, and professionally. Uh, but just because I've laid something down doesn't mean we can't have discussion around it. And so I try to keep an open mind, uh, try to be agile. And that's one of the things I really want my team to be. And that is flexible. Uh, we'll consider things. And uh, once we agree, uh, we're going to go and we're going to go execute on it. But I would just say there's plenty of opportunity to brainstorm, to ideate, uh, to do your, decision, your design thinking kinds of workshops. And uh, one of the things when I brought in my VP of strategy and innovation, I said, I want every operating unit, I call them operating unit here in verticals, uh, to be in this design thinking mode where, you know, you got you to go conquer or solution something, get the team in, do a design thinking workshop. I want to do three, four or five of these a year. Most institutions are doing them once every three or five years. We, shouldn't, we should just be used to ideating and getting into that design thinking mode. And, and at IBM, I was fortunate in New York, we did a lot of design thinking workshops, did them in Abu Dhabi. I did them in, um, in uh, South Africa and uh, they're very, very fruitful, but it's not a once, you know, every three or five years, it's, it's uh, every, you know, when you got to go solve something, you know, do a design thinking, ideate on it, put together your plans, go execute. Oh yeah. The EdUp Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Hey, everybody, head over to www.edupexperience.com, our website, where you're going to find all of the episodes that we've recorded categorized so that you can ensure that you're spending your time listening to the podcasts that are most important to you. You're going to see the reviews of our podcasts, the shows in our network, our partners, and a section on starter episodes. If you're new to the EdUp Experience, listen to those starter episodes and get a feel for how the podcast has evolved over time and our impact in the world. www.edipexperience.com. All right, Joe, I'll, I'll give it back to you. I love it. Uh, I, that's what, you know, well, that's uh, why I'm so excited to join the Lindenwood team. That's the way I think, you know, ch we, and we said it before we recorded, let's chop it up, let's break it and let's rebuild it in a better way. And yep. if you always put the student first, you, you have to, iterate and you have to ideate because the student is moving faster than the institution and when you yeah. realize that it puts you in a position you can either sit and stand still and stick your feet in the mud and go we're not going to change but that student is changing rapidly that the amount of noise around the student the way they access information the 24 7 expectation of service and this is why i always say it. this is john how i always put it if, um, if you didn't buy your wife or your husband a gift for Christmas, you could go on Amazon right now and you can get it tonight or tomorrow maybe. Um, so why is the expectation any less for higher education and the way we service a student when that's what their expectation is? That excitement, how do you keep that excitement? Because higher ed um, for all of it, and I say this as somebody who's worked in higher for 20 years, it's easy to dull the senses in higher education. Yeah. It's easy to accreditation, as wonderful as accreditation is to keep your standards and quality and outcome, it can become a fear 
piece where people, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. Accreditation says that. And, and you forget that it's interpretation and it's data and challenge and, and producing results to, to that standard. So it's easy to dull the senses. How do you ensure your team stays and me joining your team? How do you stay yeah. up to date and excited about the future? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think, first off, you got to create the energy. And, um, you know, one of the things is I'm, ex you know, I get excited when I talk about the university, when I'm in front of folks, whether it be potential donors, whether it be students, whether it be parents, uh, any of our constituents. And so I think always having that kind of energy, I think it, it, you know, other people see that and they absorb that and they like that. I think one of the things that we're trying to do here too is, is I, I've asked the team or, or we've talked about as a team is every experience a student has, I want to be a great experience. Student is in line for financial aid or they're in the line, they get up there and person's up, oh, that's the wrong, you know, you're at the wrong place. You need to go to, you know, two blocks down to the other. No, no, no. What we want to do is come out from behind the desk and take the student over there and let that student say, wow, that was a great experience. Or we were on the phone with the student, you know, how is that a great experience for the student? So we're trying to create that kind of culture. The other thing is, what are the things that we're doing that I think excite people? I mean, I'll say this doesn't mean we're, 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 uh, where we want to be quite yet. I put a mergers and acquisition team together about 18 months ago. So we have an M&A team. I don't know how many universities have an M&A team, but we're not trying to foster ourselves after other universities. But I, I want to be on the lookout for something that's going to be great for Lindenwood University. And it's going to accelerate maybe some of the programming. is going to accelerate maybe some of our numbers and enrollment. Um, but I tell you that because, uh, and, and this team has probably looked at 17, 18, you know, universities, uh, and, and uh, it's been exciting for them. And I think when you talk about this, uh, you know, people are like, we really want to be forward thinking. So this isn't about creating a status quo environment. I had one of my VPs tell me two weeks ago, man, I'm just really excited about where we're at, what we're doing and, and how we're moving forward. And again, it's not, it's not about me. It's about the team that, that we've got. We brought in some really, really great talent that, that really have a passion for seeing the success of the university. It's not about my vision. It's about our vision. It's about teaming. And, and I think when you have that kind of energy on an ongoing basis, again, it's not false energy. Uh, listen, we're doing the heavy lifting too. We're, our core business, we've got to do better in our core. I call it our core business. So we can have the strategy all we want, but if you don't have a strong core business and get it where you want it in that northern trajectory, uh, both on revenue and enrollment, nothing else matters, right? So I think they're excited that that we are making changes that that uh, get us in a better position on the core business, but we're excited about our five-year strategic plan. And we've laid it out. We've laid out the financials, the business case. The board has approved it. And now we're executing on that and we're seeing results already. So when I first came here, I said, let's really celebrate our successes and let's make it known what our successes are. And by the way, you know, we're going to have some failures and we all know that. And so we're not afraid to fail. And everybody says that fail fast and move forward. Right. Uh, we were on a call yesterday. We talked about, you know, an investment that we're going to make. It's about a hundred thousand and we could fail on that. Well, listen, hundred thousand in terms of the bigger scheme of things, it's not a lot of money, right? Are we willing to take that risk? Absolutely. We're going to take that risk. But, but I think, uh, I think it is going to be successful and we're going to, we're going to reap much greater reward than, than what that, you know, initial dollar is going to be. So the other thing, I'll just say one more thing, Joe, when I first came here, we looked at the model for higher education. You think about the revenue streams, you know, most, if you go to the corporate world, they've got hundreds of products and services. They're not predicated on, you know, one product. So you think about, you know, if students don't show up, uh, and, and actually occupy our dorm rooms, uh, that's a big part of our revenue. And so we decided here that we would go to a 40-40-20 model, 40% on, on ground, 40% online, and 20% auxiliary revenues. And so we have formed 
for that 20% auxiliary revenue. Linden Gage, which is a for-profit entity, will we will eventually, when we get it really rolling, offer level one, level two support for technology products. So I think, again, it goes back to your question, that excites people. I mean, we I brought in a GM from IBM. Um, she was with IBM for 32 years, and uh, she is now the GM for Linden Gage. And so we're looking at opportunities for either back-end support or that IT level one, level two support. And again, this is gonna take some time, um, but it's exciting to be a part of that. So I think that's what you'll you'll find when you talk to folks here. Yeah, Lisa, I wanna bring you in cause you you put up a, a, a shock face uh, emoji when he, when John was talking about an M&A team. Why, why did you do that? It, that is just um, so different than any of my experience with our higher education clients and even people that I'm friends with in our neighborhood. And I, I live here in the Research Triangle Park. So I'm surrounded by three amazing institutions and they don't talk like that. I mean, my next door neighbor is high up at Duke and those concepts just don't come out. So it's super exciting to hear you talk about that. And it just made me think, um, when you talk about your five-year strategic plan, you talk about how you are going to get to that through agility and design thinking, um, all those different sorts of things. What is one element of that that you are most excited for that you think is going to be most transformational? Um, you know, well, first off, Joe joins us uh, on January 11th, and Linda McGlobal is going to be extremely exciting for us. I mean, uh, we will be pumping in quite a bit of investment uh, for that to really go drive. We have online today, but this is really going to take us to a new level. And I think uh, we have we have laid out a long-term financial plan over the five years. Um, we've got four outcomes for our five-year strategic plan. And, and, and uh, one of them is growing our revenues about 65%. So uh, we're, you know, that's going to be very trans transformative for the university. And that's going to allow us, I mean, we've all heard it, you know, you know, without margin, there's no mission. Uh, we have to have margin so that we can reinvest back into the institution. So we have the health sciences, you know, as part of, you know, when we did our design thinking for our five-year strategic plan, we came up with 245 innovative ideas. Those 245 were honed down to six. Uh, and out of those six, again, Linden Gage, three will drive revenue and three won't drive revenue. But for the three that drive revenue, like our Lindenwood Global, or like some of the things that we're going to do in the health sciences down the road, um, are really going to differentiate us from other universities, even in the region here, um, which we're going to we're very proud of. So, uh, but anyways, I think the Linwood Global is going to be very transformative for us. Uh, Linden Gage at some point will also and drive a different revenue stream for us, but we're excited about uh, all six of them. This is a coming on to the back half of this episode. We've got about ten more minutes or so, but John, I've got to get, I've got to get in this very important question. It might be the most important question of the episode here. It's an opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about you. So we ask every guest this same question. Are you ready? I got to hit my music. Are you ready? Go for it. For no money. For no money. I always say, John, what's your entrance music? What's that song? your favorite song that plays at commencement or the one that should play when you walk on stage, walk into a meeting, walk into Lindenwood, walk into your house. What's your entrance music? That song that hits you at the top of your head. Oh man, that's a tough question. I don't listen. I'm a seventies kind of guy. Right. So I guess I just gave away my age. Um, let it fly. I, huh? Just got to let it fly. Whatever yeah, comes let, it, let it fly. Um, you know, let it fly is actually a song. 
Um, I, I don't know that I could come up with something that's going to be uh, that, that would be my song. Um, I'd have to think on that. I don't have anything right off the top here, but All right. you know, when I work out in the mornings, I'm, I'm a seventies kind of guy. I love the seventies music. And, and so I'd have to think on that a little bit. I think genre, genre works. Lisa, you think genre is good. So we'll go rock. We go country. What are, where are we at? Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that's rock for me would be the, uh, the old, the old, the seventies piece. I think that's one of the best decades of, of music that we've ever had. So um, you think about, you know, the Beatles and, and uh, you think about uh, some of the, you know, sticks and Boston and all those kinds of, of, uh, of uh, songs and, and uh, groups. I think, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of great songs came from that era. Right. Agreed. I agree with that. Lisa, what do you think? Well, um, I mean, you're a Motley Crue uh, and uh, 80s <laughs> rock hair uh, fan. So that is true. That yeah, is too. true, Dr. Porter. In fact, my first show um, was Def Leppard in St. Louis. Ah, oh, wow, that's incredible. There you go, yep. Def Leppard. Yep. Well, you know, I think about it, the Doobie Brothers, Chicago. I mean, there's so many great, uh, so many great groups out there. No um, doubt. So let's let's transition just a, a little bit. I want to talk about, and are you want to go, Lisa? Because I kind of uh, upstaged you and took over. You hijacked me. I hijacked you. Have you another question? I do, if you don't mind, Joe. And then oh, I will hand it right back to the you. The show is yours, Lisa. Are you kidding me? No, it's yours. So, Doctor Porter, you're, the first thing um, that you said that was going to be transformational is the initiative that now places Joe within your organization. So I'm sure through the interview process, you all talked about um, the challenges that he would be facing and obviously he would respond with how he would tackle those. But um, what is his number one challenge? I did some research in preparation for this and there's a great article, Joe, that I will send you um, from Forbes and it talks about all these different aspects of online education and ranks um, different programs based on specialty. But Dr. Porter, what, what was one of the big challenges or asks that you had of Joe taking on this initiative? Well, I think, I think of anybody, I mean, it's a, it's a, if you look at the online, it's a very, very, very competitive market. I, I think the differentiator though, is how you market uh, the product. And so I won't get into all the, the details uh, of what that looks like, but um, if we're not positioned correctly from a social perspective, social media perspective, and, and certainly with the analytics and really do deep dives, we're not gonna be successful there. And so I think one of the things that, that um, I liked about Joe, like about Joe is the fact that um, we're gonna take an analytical view. Um, you know, again, I won't give away everything here, but. I think those metrics and understanding those metrics and what really drives um, students to come to Lindenwood from an online perspective are going to be critical for our success moving forward. And the sooner we can do it and understand it and get our arms around it, the better we're going to be. I think, and then obviously building an infrastructure that's going to support uh, the volumes that that we have built into our, our business model. And so it's aggressive. And and, uh, you know, one of the questions I asked Joe was, you know, gave him numbers, talked about how aggressive we're going to be. And, and uh, you know, Joe didn't flinch about that. Because, so I, because I think having, knowing what it takes, having built something like that before and understanding the metrics and marketing behind it is critical for this role. That's why Joe's in it. What a great answer. And, and knowing Joe for the last however long I've known him, 
um, he doesn't flinch and he does bring a very different way uh, looking at education, higher education. In fact, we've talked about it on our joint podcast sessions together about that very aspect. So Joe, I'll kick it back to you. Yeah. And thank you, Lisa, for the kind words and John too. I, you know, it is true. Everything you said, John, and it is very competitive and so much of how to win in online education now is, is differentiation. It's the brand, it's speed, it's a collaboration and pulling on the resources. And that's what I'm excited about at Lindawood is that it's the, it's the frame of mind. It's confidence. It's knowing that you can get there as much as, as, as anything else. And so I'm excited. Really, time can't pass fast enough as we're recording this episode. There's still a little bit to go before I, I begin, but uh, it's on my mind uh, every minute of the day. So let's, let's talk quickly about, and I ask most guests this, the value of higher education, especially as somebody who comes from the, what we would call the world of work. Both of you actually are, are in the world of work or come from it, which is not higher ed. You hired people at a ground and an executive level. You could have hired people with degrees, without degrees, uh, low level, high level. There is a question of the value of a higher education of a degree in the United States, the anti-intellectualism movement, as it were, where you can get, you can do this and go off and, and take this online course and go get a job making 120K. And maybe you can, maybe you can't, but there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of noise around students and, and many of them are being told that you don't necessarily need higher ed. I tend to disagree. I think higher education and degree has got so many benefits beyond the economic one but right now in a time that's very challenging financially that's what students are thinking about is the economics where do you sit on that john what two words two words discipline knowledge so i think a student coming to our university any university talk about discipline so there's one thing to have discipline in high school it's a different thing to have discipline in, in the college ranks uh, the expectations are much higher. The rigor is much high, harder. Uh, I think this is an opportunity for hopefully your four years here where you're going to learn uh, what discipline is all about, how to study, when to study, how much to study, um, you know, and people have different intellectual levels. And so some require more, less. Um, but I think that discipline is, is, is second to none. The other piece on the, is the knowledge. Uh, hopefully you walk away. So you think about, you know, even though you know, we're a liberal arts. Well, we've got the life sciences, you got biology, you got ecology, you got the neurosciences, you got logic, mathematics, philosophy, the physical sciences, like physics, chemistry, geography. So you're going to, you're going to be a well-rounded person. What better to take the discipline that you've achieved in the knowledge that you've learned to those employers out there, right? So there's, I think there's always going to be uh, a model for higher education. Now, second to that, you look at one of our six initiatives is the micro-credentials. There is a market out there that I call this. This is just my own thinking. It's a hit and run. I just I want to I want to learn something quickly and then I want to run. I want to go and get my job, whether it's from a vocational perspective. Um, think about skills gaps in corporations. Some some have degrees, some don't have degrees, but the skills gap may still be there. How does a micro micro credential fill that gap? How can I get something and get an employer comes to us and say, listen, here's where we're We'll give you the IP. We need you to build the infrastructure to, to give this to our employees. Micro-credentials are going to do that for us. So we're, we're, not, we're not trying to just uh, look at a, the four-year degree, but we also want that continuing education, but, but those credentials that are stackable, that, 
that um, you know we just, we just signed two great agreements with with two companies that is going to really catapult us to that to that next level. Um, and these are certifications, one year certification. And and once these folks are certified, that's going to give them greater employment opportunities. It's not a four year degree. However, they can probably plug that in. And, and earn a four-year degree based on credit hours they'll receive for the certification. So I think we're looking at it both ways, but it all boils down to discipline and knowledge, in my opinion. Lisa, what do you think about that? Because you're you're living it now still. Oh, no doubt. Um, but again, I just think that this whole conversation, it's interesting. And Joe, I don't know when you're going to be airing this, but the culmination of our podcasts throughout calendar year 2021 have been on or around all these topics. And now it's just like all those were the appetizer and now we're just diving into the meal. And I just think it's an incredibly exciting time for Lindenwood University, wherever, whatever chapter we're in with COVID and how that evolves. I think that's an accelerator to your vision, Dr. Porter. And then bringing Joe in, it's just gas on this fire. I just think everything that you're talking about is incredibly exciting. And coming from St. Louis, it's exciting to have that fireball of an engine in, in play as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, I agree. Can't, uh, I, I, no offense to my California uh, brethren out here, but I'm very excited to I joined the Midwest, um, as it were, <laughs> after yeah. I filled my, uh, John, and you, you don't know this right now, but I did drive my car to Colorado where my family's spending the holidays, then I'll fly back and then fly back to Denver and then drive my car the rest of the way. It was like $87 to fill my gas tank. Um, and then I stopped in Utah and it was 53 and I went, wow, let me add that up. Um, yeah. it's, it's insane. So, um, Lisa, any more questions before I dive into the final two for John? No, straight over to you. All right, John, last two questions we ask every single guest. Number one, what did we miss about Lindenwood University? Anything you want to say, plug, events, initiatives, really it's an open mic for you to say anything you'd like. And secondarily to that, what do you see as the future of higher education? Well, I see missing at uh, Lindenwood. Um, first off, you know, we say this, when we get somebody on this campus, they're sold. Uh, you come here and you think, you, you think about our football stadium, you know, built by the St. Louis Cardinals. We didn't even have a football team, but if you come here and look at our stadium, you're like, wow, this is really something. I think we've got, I, I, I remind my team all the time, don't take for granted what we have here. We just have a phenomenal campus. And when you walk on this campus, uh, you're just wowed by the resources that we have. Directly yeah. vouch for that. Yeah, it is. It really, and my wife and I flew in here from Dubai and uh, we pulled in front of the Jay Scheidegger Performing Arts Center and we were like just taken back by the, the resources. So we don't want to take that for granted. It's something that's special that we have here. When students come on, you know, probably 80% of the time we sell them. So that's one thing. And the, the future in higher education, I think the future is, you know, it's got to have this, this, the aperture has got to open for higher education. We've got to be open to, uh, new ways of thinking and doing things. We've got to integrate the technologies as best we can. We can't be the laggards. We can't be afraid to make moves. We can't be afraid to fail. And, and uh, I know people say that, uh, but I really mean it. Just going back to my, my illustration of the 100K yesterday, uh, nobody likes to lose money. But listen, if you don't try, you know you don't know where the, the success is going to come from. So I just think we've, we've just got to be more in tune with, you see the speed at which corporations move. There really is no reason why we can't move at that same speed. And again, it's you got to have the thinking, the critical thinking skills, 
Um, it's got to be pragmatic. Um, and, and bottom line, though, it's got to be student centric. And so, you know, we're, we want to be that next great learner centric university in the Midwest. It's all going to be centered around the students. So we did a lot of work on Generation Z, these millennials coming up, you know, how much time they spend on the Internet. These guys want to 65 or 70 percent of them want to own a business at some point in time. How are we preparing that next generation of students for college life and, and are we really doing things that is that kind of concierge kind of mentality for our students? If we don't do it that way, if we're in this for ourselves and we just want to kind of go through the uh you know, the rhythm, um, you know, then we're probably not going to be as successful as we can be. So we've always got to keep our ear to the ground. Everybody knows this, but I really do mean it. And, and when you say you're going to do something, you got to execute, you got to go do it and uh, not just talk about it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it, it's, it's all been said on this episode with my, first of all, my amazing guest uh, host, co-host today, Lisa Honaker, Managing Director of Sales for the Eastern U.S. at FedEx office. Lisa, it's always, and I mean always, an honor to have you on co-hosting with me. Thank you, Joe. And my guest today, he said a lot of things that make you want to scream out with excitement, or at least me. That's why I'm moving to St. Louis to work for him. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here he is again, Dr. John Porter. He's president of Lindenwood University. John, thank you for coming on the Edip Experience today. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed upped. <laughs>